Welcome to the Can I Steal You for a Second podcast, a Bachelor podcast, and part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Can I Steal You for a Second? I'm Ashley Young, joined, as always, by Natalie Zamora. We are here still riding hard for Katie's season of The Bachelorette. And what I thought was going to be the Greg show all season turned quickly into the Carl show, as we saw last week, heading into episode three this week. We left the guys off. Carl wreaking havoc, starting fires, and that's where we picked up this week on the episode. Natalie, I know you love your structure, ending with a rose <laughs> ceremony, but we kicked off this episode with one. Were you as enraged by the start of this episode as I was? Yes, especially because, um, I mean, the last episode was only a week ago. It feels like forever ago, and then this one kicked off and it's like oh shoot we're still at this place again you know nothing nothing's happened so far obviously because it was right before rose ceremony where they cut it off last week so they had to pick it right back up but it was like all right just just start with the rose ceremony I don't even need to rehash this drama right now rehashing the drama and it's like we've seen this we need new writers in the writer's room this is not a new a new bit. I'm over this bit of people aren't there for the right reasons because truthfully, they're not going to be there for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. But what was up with Carl, like bo- shadow boxing in the room <laughs> alone as like the rest of the house, he's like throwing punches in the air and the rest of the house is just clearly fed up with him. Yeah, I know. He was definitely more, I could see him more of like a Victoria from Matt season, like basically coming on saying, I'm going to be the villain. I need attention and I'm going to get it in some way. And the annoying part is Katie seemed to like him enough that she was going to give him a rose. So if he didn't start any drama at all, would have gotten a rose, would have had a better shot. But no, he just wanted to be the villain. And I'm just glad that he's not there anymore. It's interesting that you bring up Victoria because (laughs) last season she was obviously the talk of the first few weeks of filming. Yeah. An obvious, you know, shtick to her the whole mean girl bullying, I'm the queen. But I think what's interesting is Matt James did feel like more of a passive lead. Mm -hmm. And we kept Victoria around for a very long time where Katie, who I think has very, very strong and vocal standards and opinions, didn't give Carl that same time of day. And I didn't see that coming as someone who buys into the producers having a heavy hand in how the season unfolds. Same. I was on the edge of my seat when she was about to call the last rose because I really thought that Carl was going to get it. I was like, I mean, it's entertainment, I guess. It's drama, so he's got to stay. But I almost wonder like, if producers asked her to keep him around and she was just like, no, absolutely not. I could see that happening, especially with Matt, because he hadn't been on the show before. He was kind of like lost the first half of the show, didn't know what he was doing, whereas Katie seemed definitely more you know she knows what she's doing she knows what she's there for and the way that she's just sending home toxic guys left and right it seems that you know I don't think a producer could have made her keep him around 
she's been no nonsense, like right out the gate. Like you said that, you know, the second there's drama or suspicions, she really hasn't given anyone the time of day that makes her second guess their intentions. And I love that about her. I have to ask though, we've seen, I always pitch, you know, we watch this to be entertained. We watch (laughs) it, you know, we're not trying to find love from our couches. We want to be entertained during these two hours. Are you tired of this bit of there being a villain? Or are you still enjoying, you know, the the chaos in the house that it brings? It depends. I think if there's a legitimate fight where like someone did something wrong or someone, you know, I don't know, there's some type of miscommunication. Okay. But for it to always be someone like, oh, they're not here for the right reasons. No explanation, nothing to back it up, just doing it to do it. It's like, there's absolutely no point in that. So I hate that. And I just want them gone. But I think as we'll talk about later on, like the drama with Thomas and everyone else, that's a little bit more interesting. I think that's funny. Oh my God, the to- it turned into the Thomas. <laughs> it went from Carl to Thomas real quick. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, like you said. And I truthfully, I don't think it's worth the 15 minutes of fame that they get from being the villain. Yeah. Because all of these lucrative, you know, influencer, this, the lifestyle, the brand deals, no one's hooking up with a villain that people are annoyed by to sell a product. Yeah. They're not getting invited to events and they're not being, you know, indoctrined into these friendships that appear after the show. It just seems like such a weird way to get your, your face recognized on national TV. Yeah. I think what they're, (laughs) I'm predicting what their strategy is because we've seen it before is that, okay, I'll go on, be the villain everyone will talk about me, but everyone will hate me. But then I'll go in paradise and be a sweetheart, fall in love with someone. And then I'm good. Maybe. There you go. It's, it's <laughs> a bigger, it's part of the bigger plan. They say yeah. we got to get our foot in the door somewhere. It's like taking a job you don't really want just to get your foot in the door. Yeah. Oh man. Well, things like you said, we had the rose ceremony. Carl gets the hell out of the house. Thank God for yeah. that. We're done with the drama or so we think. <laughs> They get this ominous date card. And truthfully, I didn't think much of it. But the date card says, love is about honesty and I need 100% dot, dot, dot. (laughs) These guys are horrified that it doesn't say love Katie or from Katie. There's no signature. There's no sense of like romance in this note. And I was like, whatever, rolling my eyes. They're being dramatic. Then they roll up and they're forced <laughs> to sit in this this circle. And it does, I think, take a turn where I was like, all right, what is going on here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just terrible. It, I mean, <laughs> I would have walked up there and been like, this is not a date. We're just having a forced heart to heart. I don't know any of you guys. This isn't happening. Like, I don't think I would be able to do it. Oh my gosh, no. We talk about this all the time, um, <laughs> how we could never go on the show, let alone right. like national, like televise our, our therapy um, is basically what this is. Um, and it's interesting because Nick runs the, the gamut. Katie always, you know, he always has a sidekick and Nick mm-hmm. Vial's there. He's running the show and he says, I'm here to hold you guys accountable. Today's about being truthful. I'm like, okay, truth is good. That's important. So I'm thinking they're going to do lie detectors. I do love a good yeah. lie detector date. I think it's entertaining. But there, there were no props. It was straight up. Tell me about, you know, something traumatic in your life. And I think it's important to have these conversations in a relationship. But 
I don't really understand why we need to see it on TV. Um, and it spooks me, especially week three, where, yeah. you know, this isn't Katie's deciding between three or four men who might be her fiance. It's they're sharing it with a bunch of guys they've just met. They're sharing it with Nick, who they may never see again. They're yeah. sharing it with me and my mother who were watching on the couch <laughs> last night. Like, it is just so mind boggling to me that we we consider this, you use the word date. Like, yeah. the date. this is not a date. No, absolutely not. I really, really disliked it because obviously everyone was visibly uncomfortable. And it's like, if they had this, like you said, if there was three people left, four people left, I still wouldn't have liked it, but it would have made more sense. Like these people, like, what are the chances that any of them even win? Because of course it was only half the men or however many there were, like there's a chance that none of them even make it far. And then they just share this terrible trauma with people they may never see again. It's like, I don't know. To be honest, I think I would have just made something up. Like there's absolutely no way I would have done it. I mean, it's so funny you say it because I'm screaming that at the TV. I was like, don't like lie, just lie. No one's going to know if it's true. Like um, Hunter, I think kicked it off and he talked about how he's divorced Mm -hmm. and he's crying because his work prevented him from being like the best father and husband he could be. And he's crying and again, very raw, very real um great on you for being able to talk about it were you ready um you know Connor B similarly sharing about how he struggled with alcohol abuse which led to cheating and you know not being a person he's proud of again crying sharing this and I'm just like okay love that you were able to talk about these experiences but last I checked Katie and Nick aren't you know licensed professionals to Mm -hmm. navigate these feelings is this the first time you're talking about it now the entire country knows this. Is this something your family knew, your friends, your job? Like everyone has access to this very, you know, private information. And I just, I think it's shady that they do that. Like you said, I probably would have lied. Um, sorry, Katie. Um, <laughs> I'll preach honesty till I'm blue in the face, but not with a camera in my face. No. And especially because there's such a, like, competition aspect like everyone wants to outdo each other so when it gets into trauma it's like were some of them thinking like let me make this worse than the last guy to make me seem like I'm vulnerable and get Katie to like me like it almost seemed like it was like a trauma battle like who has the worst history which is terrible that is such a good point because I think that's something that we've seen in the past year with with the pandemic and you know, I think a lot of people experienced loss and trauma in the past year. And it did kind of feel like who, who had it worse, Mm -hmm. you know, I lost my job. Well, I lost my grandma. Like there's just, everyone was competing for who had it worse. And that doesn't help in healing at all. Or I think connection or, I don't know, it it was, it was trippy, but we got a, we did a 180 really quickly because Thomas, (laughs) Thomas really picked up. Our, our, our dear friend, Thomas, we talk about lying. This yeah. is a man that should have just lied because he yeah. decided to just overshare and overshare <laughs> and overshare more red flags and very vaguely too. Everyone else I think had one good example with details that they shared and it clearly still upset them. This man is smiling like a maniac <laughs> talking about how I've led people on. I went on a date before I left to come here a week before. Um, I didn't really know what was going to happen. 
Uh, I know this place <laughs> gives you a platform. Like he just kept yeah. going and going and going and going. And it didn't stop, dude. It did not stop. I know I was hysterically laughing because <laughs> he seemed to just really like, take the assignment and was like, all right, I got everything for you guys. And then he said, this is when he said, like, I, I've got all these red flags, like, I'll tell you kind of thing. Right. And then it's like, then just say like one of them and describe it. You don't need to go into like, I'm a terrible person. I did this. I did this. I'm still doing it because it happened right before the show. It's like, I don't know. And just, he was like laughing too, which made it even more worse. It was like, I don't know what he was trying to go for. Like maybe that, you know, he's healed through it and he's fine. I don't know. It was just very, very weird, especially because everyone else was crying except for him. Except for him. He's smiling, like grinning. Yeah. Like very aggressive grin. I think sometimes people feel like if they own up to something, they deserve like credit for that and it negates that it happened which is just like really backwards logic but that's what I was getting from him he's like well if I just beat you to it by sharing this yeah like I'm softening the blow yeah like I have a lot of red flags but I'm telling you so I'm an honest man so I'm not (laughs) that bad like bro no that was pretty bad and the reactions from the circle were equally as entertaining they're just like bro stop just stop talking you don't need to share this yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I feel like he's lucky that Katie is the person that she is, because I think just from her reaction to it, it seemed like she understood like, okay, I told them to do this. So I'm not gonna be judgmental about, you know, what he shares. But if it was Claire, she would be like, get out. Like, this isn't happening. <laughs> oh my god, Claire would have shut it down so fast. She was like, no, no bullshit for sure. Yeah um she's yeah Katie I think in the next 15 years she had a few more years of (laughs) nonsense that left her with nothing left but then we went from that where I like you said gawking at the screen like laughing is this happening to Katie um kind of wrapped up the circle and shared that 10 years ago on New Year's Eve the phrase she used was quote involved in a situation where there wasn't consent Mm -hmm. and um she opened up by saying I haven't told a lot of people about this I don't even think my mother knows and it was I think one of those things where I we had this I think during that season last year where I felt like I needed to look away like it wasn't my moment to be a part of Mm -hmm. um And I haven't felt that way yet this season. Um, I know there's been heavier conversations, but this was the first time where I was like, I'm so proud of Katie for being able to like advocate and share her experience. But it felt again, a little bit like I shouldn't have been watching and it wasn't my moment to share with her. Yeah, definitely. It was, yeah, like like you said, I was kind of not torn about it, but I mean, it, it was hard to watch and I was definitely getting, you know, super emotional watching it, but I guess it made me feel a little bit better that she was sharing it because she wasn't forced to share it. So it felt like, okay, this is what you want to do. That's great. You know, especially with so many people, you know, watching so many women, men, young people, like, I think it's important that she did share that if she wanted to. So I think that, you know, it didn't seem like, you know, she was, saying I don't want to say this but here it is it was kind of like you guys made me feel comfortable so this is what I want to share which I thought was nice but yeah yeah, it was hard to watch for sure 
it's hard to watch. And I, like I said, we watch this to be entertained every week, but these, these experiences are, are common. And I think it humanizes Katie and some of the people involved in the show. And I think you made a good point that the key distinction here where I get hung up is these men go on a, a date that they don't know what's up where Katie's kind of calling the shots. Yeah. Um, and it is great for people to see that it's okay to talk about these things and seek help and find your way. And I think that's really what Katie talked about is how, you know, over the past 10 years, she has found clarity and confidence that she didn't have after these things unfolded. So I agree with you that it's a great uh, representation of, you know, working through it and getting help and finding your way in your voice, which Katie seems to do every week. She is definitely very sure of herself, which I think that is what she was getting at too, is who I am today mm -hmm. comes from all of these experiences that challenged me to grow into this person. So Katie's growing on me. I think I was a little harsh week one. Um, I really have enjoyed her so far. Yeah, I do really like her. She seems just like such a genuine and really well-rounded person. And like you said, it seemed like last night really solidified, like, yes, she's been through trauma like everyone else has, but she was able to grow and learn from it and become a better person from it. So if that's what she was trying to get at with the whole exercise, sure, but I don't think they needed to do it. And then at the end of it, she kind of said like how she was happy and, you know, proud of the guys for opening up about things they didn't want to. She specifically said things they didn't want to talk about. And it's like, don't you see the issue there? Whatever, I guess, but not good. Baby steps. We'll get, we'll move forward with this. Maybe that should just be the prize is like you get a ring and engagement, but also like therapy. Yeah. to navigate this newfound fame and, um, you know, everything that's ever been put on the internet exposed. Anyway, I thought <laughs> that was going to be the saddest part of the show or the episode. Nope. And they cut to um, the house where Michael is chatting with Mike P and Andrew, and they're just kind of like hanging out by like the pool or the gym, whatever it is. And this is what I thought was a beautifully done way for someone to talk about an experience on their own terms. Mm -hmm. very candidly without it being a group date or an exercise or yeah. in front of a larger audience than they're ready to share with. And Michael shares that his wife, seven months after giving birth, got breast cancer. And in January, 2019, she passed away from the cancer. And he said, and this is what, this is what rocked me. Mm -hmm. If that wasn't sad enough, he said, my entire life, I'm 36 years old. I've only told one girl I love her, my wife, Laura. And it was the most, again, it was very in line with a lot of these stories and struggles that were shared on the group date, mm -hmm. but it was told in a place of comfort and confidence. And it was infinitely more impactful than the group date from an audience perspective. And I was just blown away by this story because it was truly so sad and so sincere and I was just I couldn't bounce back after the episode after that like that rocked me I know agreed and, and it did seem way more genuine and it seemed you know it seemed comfortable even though it was very sad it seemed like a comfortable safe space that he was in where he was kind of like okay I've been meaning to tell Katie this this is what I need to talk to her about I'm just waiting for the time so like let me confide in two people that he's probably been hanging out with since he got there, which is still a short amount of time. But it seemed like, you know, he was volunteering that information up to say, 
this is what I need to get off my chest to Katie, you know, and this is what's going on in my head and stuff like that. So it seems like, okay, this is something he's going to share. This is like kind of his prep for it, like getting it out there. So it seems, it seemed normal. Yeah. Like organic. Yeah. Uh, take notes, producers, like people <laughs> will share what is going on up in their brain. Yeah. If you allow them the space to do so. And it doesn't feel gimmicky. It feels like you said, sincere, very comfortable, organic. Um, and I think that's what dating is. You run it by your friends before you, you know, tell the person you're interested in, Hey, like, I want to share this. How does this text sound? How does this sound? Is this too much too soon? That is what dating is. And I like when the bachelor keeps it a little more realistic with the interactions that these people have. So mm-hmm. it was a beautiful moment. There's more of that in the rest of the episode. Uh, before we head into break, I don't want to talk too much in circles about Thomas, but the, the group date wasn't the end of it because when they're, you know, at their, their cocktail party, there's more of Thomas wreaking havoc and just making a mess. And Katie calls him on those red flags that he brought up and he just skirts around the whole question. Yeah. And I think she did a good job because she asked him once kind of like, can you clarify though? Like, what are the red flags? And then she said, you know, it seems like you're not answering the question. He didn't answer it again. And then she seemed kind of like, okay. But then they did have a quick makeout session, which I was confused about. It was one of those moments in the episode where like, did I look at my phone too long? Or did yeah. I miss something? Because that went from, I, all I shared was red flags. I shared that I'm not really here for the right reasons. I clarified I have red flags. And then that happened. Like where, where did the connection form? Maybe Katie just likes toxic men. I have no idea. You can tell that she was definitely super into him from night one. Like, I feel like maybe it's one of those things where she's attracted to him because she thinks he's good looking, but is like cautious to actually, you know, form a real connection. I don't know, because his red flags are out of this world. (laughs) It was just like you said, out of this world. So uh, everyone remember that we're going to head into the break and we'll talk more about the episode and inevitably more Thomas comes up. Um, Stay tuned. I don't like to harp on the villains. So let's take a little break from that because I want to talk about my new favorite, Michael, because he had some nice one-on-one time with Katie. Michael is our single dad who, if you didn't cry when he shared his story about his wife and his son um, or his baby, shame on you. You're inhuman, <laughs> teaching your ways. But they got some one-on-one time. Uh, Natalie, what'd you think of the date and seeing him kind of in his element with Katie? I thought it was so cute. I thought it was similar to the date with Greg and that the date didn't need to be anything spectacular or extravagant because it seemed their connection was so strong that it was like everything else was kind of background noise and they were just so focused on each other. So I instantly was like, Michael is my favorite now. He is the cutest thing ever. And he just seems like he has the best smile. He seems so happy and to you know, explain to Katie everything that happened with his wife um, and everything that he went through. And to be that good of a person, that happy of a person today, I was just like, how are you like this? Because I would not be able to be. I know. Sincerely good energy. Um, There's like a maturity to him that I think Katie needs in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, and something I think last season, again, these hard conversations where I just feel like, Oh, I shouldn't be here. I'm eavesdropping. Um, I think Matt James got a lot of flack on Twitter of, you know, not really contributing when someone opened up to him, he'd just be like, thank you for sharing. Thank you. 
And, you know, when Michael shared with Katie his experience, he did, you know, get choked up. He was having trouble finishing the story. And I really appreciate Katie's poise in receiving information because um, she's had a handful of these, you know, intimate conversations already. And I really appreciate her, you know, take your time. Please don't be sorry. Yeah. Any of these lines Matt James could have used last season. <laughs> um, but I think, again, it's that she really is looking to make connections and that, that peace and comfort that she gives whoever she's with, um, I really respect. And I thought it was a nice touching moment of sincerity and full transparency that we didn't need a group date to expose. <laughs> it was a beautiful moment. It was hard to watch. Um, but I really did appreciate that time that they had together. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think, like you said, she, Katie definitely made him feel very comfortable and I don't know, we'll see how the rest of the season goes, but so far each of these group dates has felt so different, but yet both of them are so involved and like so special that I'm wondering, you know, is it going to be like this for every single one? Like, is it just Katie being awesome or are there legitimate connections here? I can't tell yet. It is hard. We're, we're too, too new to the game in this season to, I think, yeah. because we're, okay, week one, you're like, oh, Greg, and now I'm all in on Michael. And that's a fool's game, as we know, to be this invested so early on. Um, but as they're having their beautiful moment, the Thomas stuff is unfolding at the house. And this is what I think is funny about the entire series is there's probably a lot of downtime in that house. And if you've ever lived with roommates, you know how the littlest things can set you off if you spend too much time in the same building, right? In a small space. And I think we're starting to see that episode three, that these guys have had enough time in the house. They kind of know everyone. They've weeded out enough. And I think it's getting chippy because no one's really mad at a specific instance. It's all vibes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Carl was bad energy. Uh, Thomas is bad vibes. And they're starting to get a little bro about it where they're picking fights. And Thomas is clearly not the fan favorite in the house. Yeah. And I think it's funny because Aaron is the one that he was against Cody in the last episode and now he's against Thomas and he gets very passionate about it. And I can't tell if he's like overly into it or just enough because I like Aaron so far. He seems like a good guy. And it's like anytime that he's mad at another guy, it it makes sense. Like I'm also mad at them, but the fact that he's way more into it than everyone else has me questioning like why exactly that is. He like reminds me of like he'd fit in on the Jersey Shore, like yeah. Ronnie vibes, right? Where yeah. he's just kind of like hyper, like macho masculine where you're like, is this just your tone that I'm misinterpreting yeah. or are you truly this enraged at everyone? <laughs> or is it an edit? Because like you said, Cody, whatever week, week one, I think it was, they hopped out of the limo and he's picking a fight with yeah. him already, but we have no context. So I'm wondering if it is a little bit of editing mixed with his, his tone that he just comes off as someone that's going to throw a punch. Like he's a ticking time bomb. And his voice is so deep too. I'm like, are you okay? What is going on? <laughs> it is so, it's a bro. <laughs> ooh, ooh. It's like grunting. Everything out of his mouth is like very abrasive and sharp <laughs> and deep. That is so true. Oh man, I don't know. I feel like I, again, don't condone violence at the record show, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I do love drama. And 
I think a fight in the house is better drama than like casting a villain like Victoria or Carl, who's just annoying. So yeah. I'm curious if tensions are going to flare over the next few weeks. Yeah, something's going to have to happen with Thomas because at this point, it seems like everyone dislikes him. And it's more that he's the one that's there for the wrong reasons instead of somebody accusing them of that. Because I feel like with Carl, they could just be like, this guy is a dick. He's annoying. Like, he's not telling the truth. But with Thomas, they want to tell Katie, like, no, he's here to be the bachelor. He's here for that. Everything like that. Like, it seems more personal this way. So I wouldn't be surprised if, a, if an actual fight broke out. And I'm with you. I mean, the Bachelor in Paradise fights are absolutely my favorite thing ever because they're just drunk fighting the next day. They just act like nothing happened. It's like, all right, it happened. Like, all right, let's keep filming. It. The show yeah. must go on. Uh, you made a good point, though. They did kind of call Thomas out towards the end of the episode, you know, about his intentions, which mm-hmm. is funny because that's why Carl literally got sent home for calling out intentions, right? And here we are again, like deja vu, the end of the episode. And I think it's Hunter is like, you know, hey man, like when you came on the show, did you think like being The Bachelor was a possibility? And instead, again, just lie, as we have been doing this whole podcast episode, <laughs> just lie, bro, just lie, just lie. Um, he's kind of like not answering. And they're like, did you think that you being The Bachelor would be a possibility on, by like coming on the show? And it's, he's not answering, which is so much more damning than just saying like, yes or no. Yeah. And so lie and say no, be upfront and say yes. But this like dopey blank stare that he has was so, so damning. And this man is not there for the right reasons. And no. I can't believe that he's so willing to go to bat for his awful, awful gameplay. Yeah, it makes no sense. I don't like him, but he's funny, I think. Like, I think this is entertaining drama because he, like you said, he always looks so dumbfounded that people are calling him out. And it's like, you told Katie you were falling in love with her a week after you went on a date with someone else and didn't think this would go anywhere. So none of that adds up. I guess in his, in defense of Thomas, there's a small part of me. It's like, is he just the most honest player to ever come up like a player? I, this is a competition. The honest contestant to ever come on this show. I mean, yeah. he's laid his whole hand out on the table. There is nothing that's going to come up to haunt him later. Um, do we give him props for being honest? I mean, it's, it's entertaining. It's humorous. I, I give him props for entertaining me. If I was Katie, I would send him home send him home so fast but like you said it's obvious that she feels a connection to him she is enamored by him and we never know what version Katie sees or yeah. you know, the, the lead sees where everyone else is stuck in this house without their cell phones or things to do um just you know absorbing this man's bullshit all day mm-hmm. where I'm sure he's a lot more charming one-on-one with Katie so right. I think he's going to stick around a little bit. I don't think he's going to get the same swift exit that that Carl did this week. Yeah, I agree. And especially with the teaser that we got for next week, it looks like the drama is only going to escalate. And then we're going to have a new addition, Mr. Blake Moynes from Tasha's season. How do you feel about that? I am excited because (laughs) I definitely remember not getting his hype during Tasha's season. 
And I feel like I've read on like Reddit and other places or TikTok that allegedly he was like a fan, a house favorite. Like he was Mr. Mm -hmm. Personality and very funny. And I don't think we got that from watching Tayshia's season on like our TV screens. So I'm really excited to see if this personality that allegedly exists um, is real. Because I think Katie has, is a little goofy and mm-hmm. down to hang, but also opposites attract. So I'm curious, yeah. you know, if they have two, you know, jokesters, outgoing people, how they'll form a relationship. But I'm actually more excited than I thought he would be. <laughs> I'm excited as well, but more so for the drama aspect. And I just love when they bring on new people on The Bachelorette because I love seeing the guys react. I think it's just so funny. Whereas when it's on The Bachelor, the girls are legitimately like devastated and that sucks. But seeing the guys just get mad and, you know, territorial, I think is hilarious. So I'm excited to see that. They do get, that's such a good comparison because I feel like they, um, when they bring in new people and it's The Bachelorette, the guys are kind of like protective of Katie or protective Mm -hmm. of The Bachelorette. Whereas when they bring new people on The Bachelor, the women are like, well, it's not fair. I was here first. It is, it does play out a little different, but we love the drama. So like you said, that's what we're really signing up for. But drama, 1A, 1B, justice for this man's personality. I'm really, (laughs) really intrigued of what I'll get out of him. Yeah, I'm curious too. I feel like he seems like funny on Tasha's season, but he was kind of more of just like a horn dog and a little weird. So we'll see. A little weird. That's what <laughs> I mean. I, I'm curious. I always try to give these people the benefit of the doubt. You know, what yeah. God knows what production has done to their mm-hmm. integrity and identity. Um, but we'll see. And I'm excited. I hope that we actually get him next week. I haven't read spoilers yet. Um but that, that tease, it's got to be next week. I can't do a two-week tease. That's unjust. Um, it might just be like the final, final moments of next week. And then it's like, all right, they showed him. They showed his face arriving. And then it just is over, probably. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't say that. We, I can't do two hours of Thomas again. Uh, one last thought as we wrap it up here, because it was the Greg show week, you know, right off the bat. Is he still the front runner? I think he is. I think it depends what happens next week. If he still doesn't get any screen time, I think everyone might forget about him. But I think as of this week, he still is. What do you think? I think so too. (laughs) My my background's in production and I just like can't help but watch the show through that lens. Yeah. And if you want someone to watch your whole thing, you can't play like all your cards up front, right? So Mm -hmm. I think we've locked Greg in as the favorite the Michael, like you said, very charming. He's up there. Last week I was saying Andrew S was one of my, where was Andrew S this week? Like Mm -hmm. they definitely show moments, but I just think, you know, reading what I've read and seeing what we've seen so far, I think his taking a backseat a little bit, it doesn't mean much to me. I think Greg's still a front runner. Yeah. Especially because he got the first he got the first one-on-one too. So it's not like an Abigail situation where she got the first impression rose and we were all like, she's safe for the rest of the season until she wasn't. Like, I think the fact that he got the first one-on-one, it's like, all right, he's a lock-in for now. Definitely a lock-in. Justice for Abigail. She was done so dirty by that show. Um, I know, I know. Yeah, the first impression rose, you know, traditionally doesn't mean too much, but maybe uh, Greg can 
ride it out to the end of the season. We'll see. There's only one way to know. Um, we're kicking it on this podcast all season. We got a lot to talk about. Hopefully more drama, less trauma. Uh, that rhyme was absolutely heinous. Um, but <laughs> Loved it. I stand by what I said. I want the drama. I want to be entertained. The world is opening up again. And I want a reason to watch TV, not because I'm trapped in my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we hope you guys listen on the podcast every week with us. Go uh, give us a five-star rating uh, because that's the right thing to do. We'll be here all season. You can follow us on Twitter and we hope you check in with us next week as we join Katie along for another episode of The Bachelorette.